Coming up next, the booketing takes a little break to talk about the fantasy genre. Everybody, welcome to the booketing emergency recording session. Just me and Jake. Hey, I'm Nathan, your humble and obedient host. That's Jake, pastor who's a master of reading. What's up, guys? And I see an empty seat. <laughs> Where, uh... Where once I don't know. I was trying to do the Tiny Tim thing. Yeah, but, no, I know. Yeah. I couldn't pull it either. I see a empty chair and a. A crutch without an owner. Uh, I mean, I could say like a thing of nachos, but the, but the thing that we've been trying to <laughs> emphasize is that Brandon is thin, folks. Yeah. Enough with the fat shaming with Brandon. Brandon, very svelte, thin, good-looking man. Mm-hmm. I cannot emphasize that enough. Brandon, when you think Brandon, think thin. That's what I want people to do. <laughs> so anyway, we had a series of scheduling snafus, Jake. And Brandon's not here to do part two of The Hobbit. Yep. But we're not going to do part two of The Hobbit without him because people don't want us to do that, I don't think. No, who would? Now, you, and I promise folks this isn't going to be a a regular thing. It's possible that next episode Jake won't be able to be on, in which case I think me and Brandon will go ahead and do the context for Sense and Sensibility because I think Jake's doesn't need that much more Jane Austen context. If we can get the band together, then we'll definitely do Hobbit Part 2. Either way, in the next two weeks, you'll be getting Hobbit Part 2 and Sense and Sensibility Context. Part 1. It's just a matter of what order you get those in. But we will hopefully all three be there for all of them, and you'll get them in the correct order. Yep. And then we'll get back on track. And then we'll get back on track because, I don't know, we just we just had a series of unfortunate events occur that prevented us from all being here today but we want to be on track we want to give you all the booking that you deserve but today jake and you had no idea all you knew was we're not talking about anything what i thought we were doing was a little mea culpa sorry guys no booking this week yeah i thought we were going to do that too but then i've had some thoughts about the fantasy genre that i thought might be apropos okay uh, germane relevant yeah. salient other words that you could look up in a thesaurus i'm not looking at a thesaurus right now jake i just have the thesaurus that is my brain and it turns out that that particular concept has a lot of synonyms that you can use and i know them all you're the best <laughs> i am the best here's here's what i've been thinking about i've right, been thinking about it. this since yesterday because i think it affects how we approach our year of tolkien okay every genre piece either i was thinking about how to frame this and i think this is what i came up with Every genre piece either reaches out or reaches in. That is, this is my thesis statement, Jake. So a genre piece is, let me try to interpret that and see if I can guess your meaning. So a genre piece either tries to transcend its genre or it hunkers down on the genre itself and becomes just, just, just a, genre piece just a genre piece yes <laughs> obviously there's no such thing maybe the, i don't know could we say there's no such thing as just a genre piece like every every story is going to do more than one thing so a western is i don't know it, it, 
thing about crime, you know, d- the detective story right. or the puzzle genre, it's, su- it's such a, you can, I mean, obviously there are lots of crime dramas and detective uh, things in the detective genre that transcend that genre, but can't you just have like a a two-page short story that's a whodunit that like does nothing Brown, except- Yeah, there's no dialogue, no characters, no... Yeah, I mean, I think, I think this is, you know, this is germane, apropos, salient, all those good words to our eternal Agatha Christie debate between uh, me and Dubstep Danny and uh, to some extent you and Brandon, which is all Agatha Christie does is genre fiction. Like she only writes, she does not write mysteries for people who don't like mysteries. She writes mysteries for people who like mysteries. And Danny would argue actually that, so, so if we're going with like reaching out, like trying to do more or reaching in, trying to just do something within the confines of your genre. Danny would actually argue, I think, that Agatha Christie does reach out, that she does provide a little character development, a little drama beyond what she has to, that she goes above and beyond, that she transcends. I don't think that that's really the best defense of Agatha Christie. The best defense of Agatha Christie is to say she reaches in, she does good genre work, and if you don't like it, Nathan, tough. Let's not try and pretend like she transcends anything or is better than anything. She's just She just writes darn good mysteries okay what would you true true or false well okay so i'm not entirely sure where we're going with this so if all if all you're saying is some people like to make good fun pop art in their genre and some people try to start with want to tell a bigger story and the genre that they pick is the you know the vehicle the starting point but Mm -hmm. maybe not the destination then i think that's just to identify two different types of artists right like mm-hmm. it's to say that with with two different types of goals right and obviously the lines are blurry like right. I, I was trying to think if we're using this construction like i don't know for example what we maybe we could say a big mac reaches in <laughs> it's just a good burger for people who like crappy fast food burgers whereas like a mcafee stupid or mccafe or whatever one of those drinks that t- pretends to be starbucks like yeah it's trying to reach out like hey you don't like mcdonald's well here's a thing for people that who... think they're too good for mcdonald's right but then you have some things that are a little bit more tricky like which one how would you categorize marvel movies well, well okay so like back to mcdonald's mm-hmm. in order to make a point about marvel when mcdonald's reaches out mm-hmm. mcdonald's almost always fails right <laughs> right like nobody actually wants to go to mcdonald's for anything the only people that actually want to go to mcdonald's are people that like mcdonald's yeah and they may get you know one of their mccafe things while they're there getting their burger that they always would have it's actually it's the genius of arby's recent turnaround they've stopped reaching out and they've said actually the only people that should come to arby's is people that really like arby's people that want nasty meat sandwiches like that's that's their whole advertising campaign is if you don't like the kinds of things that arby's does then forget you if you if you if you want good dialogue, then don't come here. This is a mystery story. I think the same's true of of Marvel. Marvel is at its best when Marvel is just trying to be fun. When Marvel tries to be transcendent, that's when things get. Little... That's when things get wonky, and it's not that Marvel hasn't you know been able to tap into some real emotion because they've you know done a million movies that have you know given us some lovable characters and story arcs that 
that have weight, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, still, Marvel's at its best when it's quippy and fun and blowing things up and colorful. And Although I guess you could argue, see, this is where maybe the, the whole construction is useless and it's the, the lines are so blurred that how do you even figure it out? Like, just hiring Robert Downey Jr. and letting him be quippy is kind of reaching out. It's like, yeah, now this movie's not just for people who like things blowing up and people in iron suits. It's for people who like good performances. It's for, yeah, like I, the original yeah. Iron Man was touted as a movie for people who didn't like superhero movies. And then they kind of doubled down and made a bunch, they, and confused me, honestly, by making a bunch of movies that were only for people who like, like the first Thor it's not really a very interesting movie unless you're the kind of person that likes to watch Thor. Yeah. I mean, but they were trying to find that middle ground, I think. And I think this is something that we'll talk about on sanity at the movies. If when we get, you know, this far in our superheroes Mm -hmm. journey, by the way, first step folks go to patreon.com forward slash sound or sanity at the movies and get us up to a hundred dollars so that we can do the Indiana Jones films. Well, I think that, yeah. So, I think that what we'll find, so the way that we've structured that is Indiana Jones is the quintessential American anti-hero. Right. The embodiment of John Wayne and, you know, all the way back to the dime store novel kind of hero. What I think that a little further along, what we do is we pair the direction that Sam Raimi took with Spider-Man and the direction that Christopher Nolan took Mm -hmm. with the Batman, his Batman trilogy. And I think what we find Marvel doing... And what we'll really get to explore as we get deeper into that is Marvel trying to thread the needle between yeah. Raimi and, and Nolan. I think that's true. Raimi is playful and fun and tries to bring real drama, but also lean into some of the campiness still that was you know fun about you know the Superman and Batman movies of the mm-hmm. 70s and 80s and 90s. Nolan is like, forget campiness. We're going to pretend like a billionaire fighting crime in a bat suit is the most psychologically real thing that he could ever possibly do. Like mm-hmm. if you were a billionaire, like in how would you in, actually in Bruce Wayne's shoes, pull this off. This is exactly what you do. And this is how you would do it. Mm-hmm. I think that those early Marvel movies were, were trying to thread that needle. And I think, you know, Iron Man was more on the Nolan side and, but without trying to be dark, still trying to be fun and incorporate some of those, fun Raimi elements and some of those other early movies were just like oh you know let's you know we've got a Norse god here let's right let's camp it up Mm -hmm. you know because what the heck else are you going to do with the you can't make sense of a Norse god like it's not going to be psychological he's going to have a hammer and a you know a viking helmet or something dumb like what the heck as they work their way forward to that first Avengers film, they they hit their stride mm-hmm. and they, they found a formula that, that really works and that keys off those uh, that first Iron Man film, but then builds in a, a direction that really does blend. Well, that says we can be okay with some of the campy elements here. Mm-hmm. We can have a lot of fun with it so long as our characters feel and the, the choices they make feel emotional, emotionally real. Right. Psychologically real. Which you could almost say, if you're going to use my construction, is that they basically keep reaching in, but then like every third movie, they reach out. They reach out. You know, they're, it's like Ant-Man. Well, this is really only for people who like this kind of thing. Doctor yeah. Strange. This is kind of only for people who like this kind of thing. But then they'll do a Avengers team up movie that's they'll actually supposed to be. Yeah, they'll do Captain America Civil War. Captain America, yeah, like Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier, you know, there's a handful of them that everybody says. It'd be, they were first Iron Man, it'd be Winter Soldier. 
be the first Avengers, I think, too, even. Even if you don't like this kind of thing. It is a good movie. It's a good, it's just a good movie. Yeah. Right. Yeah. With good performances, good team up, good, you know, good characterization, you know, real drama. And then by the time you get to end game, it's like, whether you like it or hate it, or it's your kind of thing or not, it's such a cultural event that. It, and it has so much capital to cash in that it's going to be a big emotional drama, no matter what they do with it. They kind of failed in a lot of different ways, and we talk about yeah, that. Yeah, and I, I I think once we get our Patreon on uh, Sanity at the Movies up enough, we'll have a lot more to uh, say about that. So if you want to think, I mean, the most genre of genre pieces that people have tried to crack and make transcendent really over the last 20, 30 years has been the comic book. Mm-hmm movie well, what's more what's more genre than the comic book movie and if you start if you think about the you know the christopher reeve superman movies like it's just trying to be campy fun well and i think like raimi versus nolan is a really interesting thing to talk about in it's that what regard. i'm most excited to yeah, get I'm, to in terms in the process of our superheroes journey yeah because you have i mean if really Spider-Man is just a Raimi's in love with the genre. He's trying to do a genre piece and he's trying to do it really well. And he's a really talented guy. And then you have Nolan who seems to have no interest in the genre, actually. Like all he wants to do is reach out and make a, a movie that stands up dramatically. And I think by the time you get to Dark Knight Rises, probably most people will agree with me, it collapses yeah. under its own weight. He can't actually sustain making a whole trilogy of Batman movies that are just about the drama inherent in what it would be like to be batman it actually gotham city no it actually yeah it really does collapse under its own weight it's like you can't take something so silly so seriously for so long and expect it to really hold up i think that if we lived in a in a universe where heath ledger never died that that trilogy could have been closed out in a incredibly satisfying way and nolan's batman would be the untouchable touchstone of all comic and maybe Marvel wouldn't even exist because... Everything had gone that direction. Yeah, it's one yeah. of the sad might-have-beens. Although maybe they would have screwed it all up and it's... Not, well, not, you know, not, Zack not Snyder happy, screwed but... it all up, yeah. so... <laughs> exactly. With Christopher Nolan executive producing on all those things. So, yep. who knows? But, I don't know. It's interesting to think. Anyway, the place I'm going with all this, the thing that I've been thinking about is where Tolkien at stands... Not just, I mean, I think we'd all agree, Tolkien, if there's any fantasist that transcends, transcends the genre, it's Tolkien, you know, yeah. if there's any fantasy book that someone who doesn't like fantasy, and the three of us on this podcast actually uh, represent a different, uh, a spectrum, I think you just like good stories, right. which means you'll take them in whatever genre, yep. if, if, if it's just a tale well told with suspense and likable character, you know, like the stuff that people like in stories. Brandon, I think actively doesn't like fantasy, fantasy but yeah. things like Lord of the Rings can transcend it for him. Yep. I think I'm I'm weird because I'm pretty sympathetic to fantasy, but on the other hand, I'm always expecting, I always have high expectations that my genre pieces will reach out and do something else. Like if you're just going to give me the first Thor movie, I'm going to be bored by it because I'm not so inherently interested in just hanging out in Asgard. But on the other hand, I've probably read more fantasy and horror and speculative fiction than either one of you guys. Well, I think that if you... I feel the pull of some of that stuff maybe a little bit more. Well, I think that where that um, becomes evident is when you go to the genre, uh, not the genre, the medium of TV and film. Mm -hmm. Because you like The Mandalorian. 
mm-hmm. like the Clone Wars, you like all kinds of different anime mm-hmm. stuff that, you know, they're telling good stories, but like you take something like The Mandalorian, there's not a whole lot to hold on to emotionally or even in terms of characterization, but it's a super cool, fun world. Well, this frame that I'm giving people today, uh, isn't that ge- this generous of me folks that I'm giving this to you? This frame is actually pretty handy for understanding why some people love The Mandalorian and why some people were just perplexed by it. I think some people really expected The Mandalorian to to reach out, to try and do something, and they were like, no, yeah. <laughs> we are just doing a good genre piece. And yeah. actually, our genre is Xena Warrior Princess. Like, that's all we're aiming for is a really high-budget version of the silly shows that you grew up with, the silly half an hour adventure shows but we're taking that silly half an hour adventure show and we're placing it in star wars and using the coolest armor and the coolest ships and guns and jetpacks and stuff meanwhile you have the three makers of the sequels you know abram well the two abrams johnson and abrams under kathleen kennedy all trying to make it something more all striving to reach beyond to transcend or subvert the genre yeah but one way or another ryan johnson is has no interest in just making a star wars movie just making a thing for star wars nerds yep he wants to make something that subverts and transcends and jj abrams in his own super lame way well maybe that's not true maybe jj abrams does just want to make I think J.J. Abrams just wants to make a yeah, Star Wars movie. Right. I think J.J. Abrams of what a good idea of what a good Star Wars movie is is just dumb. Yeah, yeah, I agree. He knows what he likes. And he's got mandates from the front office that he's supposed to transcend with the gender, with the... Yeah, so he's he's trying to harmonize. He's in a difficult position, and we should be a little more sympathetic probably to him than we have been. Yeah, he doesn't deserve to be the villain of Star Wars. Because he's trying to harmonize his vision of what he thinks is fun and cool about Star Wars, which is an older generation's vision. Right. With what the front offices, what the the big wigs with the suits say needs to the the movie needs to accomplish in terms of propaganda and in terms of, you know, what their market research shows that people want. And that's a that's a tough place to live. Yeah. As a storyteller. It is. Well and I, I think that, that sort of brings me to the thing that got me thinking about all of this. What I was thinking about is, have our expectations of genre pieces actually changed? Do we, in fact, and I don't really know what the answer is, I just think it's an interesting, provocative question. Do we, in fact, expect genre pieces now to transcend and to reach out when, in fact, many of them should just be humble and reach in? The reason I thought about this is because I thought about the fact that people actually think about even Lord of the Rings differently than I seem to remember in the 80s. Like I remember going to used bookstores and going to Barnes and Nobles and there'd be the fantasy section. And the fantasy section was crap. Like you'd pull out the covers and it'd be some painting of a half-naked lady like, you know, clinging to the leg of some warrior who was standing astride the bodies of all the orcs that he had just slain and that was that was fantasy. Like it was trash mm-hmm. for idiots. And even Lord of the Rings I mean, everybody knew it was better than that. Everybody knew it was a classic, but there were a lot of people that still sneered at it. You know, kids on the playground or my dad, you know, just like assumed. Right. He just assumed, you know, my dad would not have assumed that Lord of the Rings was any different than Conan the Barbarian or an old Weird Tales pulp magazine kind of thing. And people who knew better knew better, and there were plenty of them, but also fantasy just wasn't as reputable of a genre right 
Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I think I felt or what I think I assumed about. And I wonder if that hasn't with Harry Potter, with the success of the Peter Jackson movies, with the preeminence of superheroes in general, of genre. I wonder if if it doesn't get taken more seriously now than maybe it actually should. And I, I wonder if that doesn't somehow warp our expectations or at least change our expectations. Like, you know, 20 years ago or 30 years ago, picking up Lord of the Rings, would I, in fact, have just been coming to it as a nerd who wanted some orcs and wizards and stuff? Is that how a lot of people come to it? And is that how people still come to it? I don't I don't really even know where I'm going with this or whether I'm even on to something, but I just got to thinking about it. I guess I can only speak for myself. I come to everything looking for a good story. Right. And if it's not there, then I don't care. Right. And I don't know. I Is that wrong of me? Maybe that's the question that you're asking. And I want to say, no, I don't think it is. No, I don't think it is. I, I mean, um, I, I think that, I do think that there is a place for, I don't know, some of the, I, I, my mind keeps being drawn to the Sherlock Holmes stories mm-hmm. because the Sherlock Holmes stories are nothing but Sherlock Holmes stories. Well, Watson, my idiot friend, if you had yep. only known the three things that I knew. 50 kinds of ash. Pi- toba- to- ash from pipe tobacco. Yeah, like, a- you know, and that's a, every story is like. And yes, nerds, I know that's an outlier. And so a lot of the mysteries are solv- solvable and that that's an unfair thing. The tobacco ash is like a hammer that people like to hit Sherlock Holmes over. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Sherlock Holmes stories are just fun Sherlock Holmes stories. Right. Wow, isn't Sherlock smart? And wouldn't you like to be smart like Sherlock? Wow, isn't Watson an awesome admirer, sidekick, slash bumbling doofus when he needs to be? I don't have a problem taking a story on its own terms Mm -hmm. and enjoying it for what it is, so long as it's good at doing what it sets out to do. But are there some kinds of stories that you like better? I mean, in other words... Are you, in fact, someone who is drawn to, let's say, the fantasy genre? And so a fantasy story that simply reaches in, that tries to do nothing beyond be a fantasy story, is the kind of thing that you might like, whereas you're not so much a uh, a romance guy. So a really well-done romance story that tries to do nothing else won't do it for you. Or do you actually just, and I'm asking not about people in general i'm asking about jake are you just the kind of person that does on some fundamental level love narrative such that wherever you find it you will be excited by it i think the fact that i have really enjoyed marvel and star wars is the proof that where there's a good story Mm -hmm. that's all it takes to win me right and make me happy I never thought Star Wars was all that cool growing up. I didn't know much about it. I don't know that I'd seen any of the prequels outside of maybe once before I started watching the Clone Wars with my kids. I just thought it was cool and fun and well-told stories that were in terms of just the little cartoons that they were for kids. And that helped draw me into the whole universe. And same with like, I don't think that I watched a Marvel movie and I had friends geeking out about it and telling me that, you know, Iron Man was great and all this stuff. I never watched the Spider-Man movies, the mm-hmm. Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. Like in theaters, people were geeked about that. I didn't care. I didn't care about the Tolkien movies. Like people had to drag me to these movies. Mm-hmm. 
But I got one over to Tolkien through the movies. I got I said I still never really cared about Sam Raimi's Spider Man at the time. Nolan's Batman was kind of cool. And then at some point, I think maybe even after the first Avengers movie hit theaters, I I think we finally red boxed something, mm-hmm. you know? And it was probably the first Iron Man or something like that. Or I don't know, I don't even remember what it was. But it's like, oh, that was that was fun. We're at a place where we just want some fun. Mm-hmm. And this is fun that I, you know, I don't have to feel too bad about. Well, let me ask you this. Has the story been an effective Trojan horse for the trappings? In other words, have you now, by enjoying story after story, been infected with the disease such that you can turn on any superhero thing and be like, oh, I just like superhero things? Maybe. I'm sort of thinking maybe that's not true because it's like, you actually didn't like Star Wars Resistance. Like you're not just no, I didn't you're like, not just gonna like every Star Wars thing because, because it's, it's Star Wars. Wars. That's right. I did not like Resistance, and I watched all two seasons with my kids. I didn't, I never liked that show. I think that show's crap. And that's Filoni. Like, and that's my guy, Filoni. Guy. Yeah. And I'm just gonna apologize. Like, I'm gonna make a rationale of my mind. I'm gonna apologize for Filoni and say he got drawn into the Mandalorian. He got drawn into other things. Mm-hmm. He's not listed. I don't. I haven't really looked. I don't know that I want to look, but I bet. I've just told myself, I bet he's not listed as, you know, the writer and director of many of these episodes. Right. It doesn't have the same character, the same heart, the same storytelling that I loved in both Clone Wars and in Rebels, Mm -hmm. which were his things. Yeah, I don't care about it. I, I really don't. I tried, you know, here's another example of why that's not true. I tried the X Men crap. Yeah, not, not too long ago to see if I could just enjoy because I never watched any of that X Men mm-hmm. stuff, and so I watched like the first one or two X Men movies. It ain't happening. Like it just wasn't doesn't ring my bells. Doesn't like there's nothing about those movies that makes me want to suffer through them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I just um, it does not have any intrinsic appeal to me. Mm-hmm. Well, I think maybe the only point I'm trying to make with all this is people should just know about themselves. It's a handy where thing to at. know where you're at. Like, am I the kind of person as I read Lord of the Rings that would love it simply because it's got wizards and stuff like that? Like, is that actually the level? And it's not that you should be ashamed of that. It's just that you should be aware aware of it. Well, cause if you're aware of it, what you can then be aware of is where it prejudices you into uh, thinking more of what you like than you ought to. Right. Like, Precisely. Oh, I, I really love this piece and it's definitely not because I just like wizards and orcs. It's because it's a great transcendent story. Actually, no, it's a trash story that has wizards and orcs. Yeah. I mean, weirdly, Um, like I always defend the Hobbit movies. I think this is an example of a place where it's like, I actually just like Peter Jackson's dumb, as gauche as it is, I like his dumb take on Lord of the Rings and I just enjoy spending time within it. I think it's fun and it doesn't, you know, Legolas, spider surfing and barrel surfing and stuff like i get a kick out of all that i know it's kind of silly but i don't need those things to transcend i don't need them to be i will never watch good unless i am well made to for made to for podcasting podcasting purposes purposes, i will never watch another hobbit movie right ever again i'll watch the lord of the rings movies Mm -hmm. but not the hobbit yeah which says that you value a good story over just spending time yeah in that genre in that particular headspace and i think that there's i don't know if there's two different kinds of people i wonder if there's a well i wonder if there is a genre that you just like spending time there yeah i wonder if that is i wonder if that's 
Well, they, the question is, what are the bad movies that you love? That's probably like, can you just watch any sports? Top Gun. Yeah. Like, do you just like rah-rah like, American crap? I mean. I, I think fighter, I think dog fights and fighter planes are cool. Right. So. I think Top Gun is cool. Here's an example of where Jake could probably watch a really bad <laughs> fighter pilot movie and just get a kick out of it. That's possible. Yeah. <laughs> Because he enjoys that stuff. I'm super pumped about Top Gun Maverick for absolutely <laughs> no good reason. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I guess there's that. I don't know. Maybe I think that movie just imprinted on me as a kid. I just thought it was so cool. Mm-hmm. Actually, I just thought of another example for me. I just love Batman stories. So it's like the Zack Snyder things, as dumb as they are. Like I've watched there's each no of the Zack interest. Snyder movies more than once just because it's like, you know what? It's been a long day. Let's just spend some time with Batman. Nope. And and I know that they're bad. And it's, it's not like the critical faculties of my brain shut off. It's just like, yeah, you know, I want a vibe right now. I want a feeling. I want a Batman-y feeling. And I've watched too much Christopher Nolan. I've exhausted the usefulness of the good Batman I'll, movies. I'll watch Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, but I think we could argue that movie transcends because... It's actually a movie for people that don't care about Thor, but just want a really great buddy comedy. Buddy comedy, space adventure. Space adventure. I think, yeah. I think that's. I think that's right. Like, I think that's could, what's fun about it. Thor Ragnarok actually is kind of listless as a genre piece, but as a buddy comedy that's got some fun action and some good jokes and keeps moving and likable characters but, and all that. Yeah, I think that's just a fun movie. That's great. Yeah, so I don't know. Did we get anywhere today? I guess maybe. I I'm... think. I think. I don't know. I think that. I mean, I am in book four of the Lord of the Rings, reading to my kids, mm-hmm. and I am realizing as I read it to my kids, which they love it. I love it. We love it. Mm-hmm. I I don't relish living in that world. Right, and some people just. I mean, so many people relish living in that world that we have things that everybody admits are crap, like Sword of Shannara or, you know, the later Wheel of Time. But, you know, there's bookshelves. There's an entire industry of books that exist to tell stories, not just about wizard, you know, fantasy stuff, but about a hero with a magical thing, with a wizard guiding him, with a right. band of brothers that have to destroy a dark lord. Like, that's that's its own genre. Yeah. Because people just want to spend more time in Middle Earth. No, Tolkien has to keep me invested in right. Sam and Frodo and the drama of what's going on with them. Frodo has to keep me invested and Frodo has to keep me invested. <laughs> Frodo's working Tolkien, overtime to keep Jake invested. Tolkien's got to keep me invested in the characters and in the story and then the danger and in the good versus evil, dark versus light. Like, or... I feel like he's always threatening to lose me because mm-hmm. I I really don't. Because you're not just like yay trolls. No, I'm not like yay trolls. I'm not like yay swords and axes and arrow, bows and arrows. I am not like elves and dwarves and orcs and wizards and spit. Like, I am not like that at all. I'm like, oh man, you know, I see what's going on with Frodo here and Gollum, the battle in their hearts over the ring and Sam and okay, I, that's what I'm invested in. And yeah, the story that's being told there of sacrifice and friendship and fighting the pulls of temptation, and then you know, the, oh no, the dragons are coming. You know, right. oh no, our, what's around the corner? Oh no, like and there are places where you know the lights on the 
on the more we feel a little bit of that stirring of whatever yeah or you finally get some you finally get some mordor and it's just so bleak and in such contrast to everything that's come before it so desolate Mm -hmm. that you know it can that kind of thing can be transporting but you don't need a huge dose of that i don't need a big dose of that i'm not a and probably if i may there's moments where you're like i wish he would actually stop servicing the genre and, yeah, and reach it. I wish he would keep stop reaching in and reach out a little bit more. Like, let's keep this moving. Let's not stop exactly. and hang out with the elves here. Let's not recite another poem. Yeah. I felt like fellowship especially drags on that mm-hmm. way. Whereas really people are. who just love the genre, they just want to spend time. They want to spend time there and live there. And yeah, I feel like, man, just tell the story. There, yeah. there, there are a lot of times that I have felt that way in the Lord, in, in a way that I don't think I ever have with the hobbit mm-hmm. because the hobbit is so fast moving that's yeah. one thing about it well it's you know it's episodic it's mm-hmm. not like this serial you know just to speak in terms of modern tv making right mm-hmm. it's like every chapter is its own little episode it's got its high point its low point its drama its catharsis its resolution and we don't have to spend a lot of time servicing the characters or anything in between the exciting stuff our job right. is to get to the next <laughs> thing yeah it's just the next fun thing that's gonna happen yeah i guess we're loving it but yeah i i don't have a whole lot invested in the the lore and the and i I like lori stuff i like Mm. things that feel lived in and feel like and it's a really well-built world that feels like it really exists i love all that those things they do contribute to the storytelling it's killer craft but i don't have a lot of affection for this particular kind of lore that's interesting. So it's it's like you're you're getting a certain sort of thing out of the book. But then you like you compare that to Brandon, like he doesn't have great narrative lust, but he does have great poetry lust. Like Brandon's yeah. looking for images. He's looking for is it's not that Brandon actually loves the genre either. Right. But what he does love is these little transcendent moments, whether he can get them in War War and Peace or Lord of the Rings, it doesn't matter. Right. He's that's it's why he's going to divert a whole episode on the Hobbit into an episode about style because he's going to come to the Hobbit or Lord of the Rings once again anticipating even though he knows better fantasy schlock mm-hmm. and then he's going to be like wow this guy's just a good he's writer he's just a good writer mm-hmm. I love it and that's what he's going to want to talk about and one could argue that neither one of you is actually getting out of it what Tolkien <laughs> wanted you to, which is sure. he just wanted you to be the kind of person like him that just loved spending time in Middle Earth. In Middle Earth, I don't know where I fall on that spectrum. Maybe maybe you can tell me better than I can tell myself. I feel like in some ways, like I said earlier, I'm the person that's most likely to spend time want to spend time in Middle Earth, but I'm also the most likely to demand that Middle Earth live up to whatever my bizarro yeah. standards are. Yeah, it is a weird thing with you. And that's why I diverted to talking about you like the Mandalorian. You like, it's hard to, it's always hard to tell because it's like we came out of Thor Ragnarok, which is a movie we've already talked about. Mm -hmm. It's a great little genre piece that's fun and enjoyable. And And I said, well, why couldn't they polish it up and make it a little bit better? Yeah, why couldn't they have made it transcend? And, And I've since come around on it. I think I've landed on, it's a really fun movie and maybe the Marvel movie that I've, yeah, but you're always you're always ready to demand more of those kinds of movies. Yeah, it's almost like I'm like, yes, Tolkien, I am willing to go to Middle Earth. Now that I've given you that, <laughs> you better 
make it worth my time, buddy. Yeah. And I think that the, you know, the reason why you love or going to fall in love with Tolkien again is that he's going to keep giving you all the things that you're looking for in ways that probably, I mean, that, well, certainly no other fantasy writer ever has or can. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that they can. And if they do, it's because they're just doing what the master already did perfectly. I mean, has anybody got as close to Tolkien as Rowling? I don't think so. And how far away from Tolkien was Rowling? I mean, uh, our friend Thomas is maybe saying like, Brandon Sanderson and sure, there's good fantasists out there. I'm not saying there's not. But Tolkien really was, uh, what's the word for when something's just perfect and I don't know what the word is. like Transcendent? Yeah, transcendent. He's untouchable. Like he, he just did something. He did it perfectly. He's in a world of, he's in a class of his own, right? Yeah. As a, as a fantasy author, he does what, you know, it's almost like in Tolkien, you get an answer to that, man, what if, yeah, I don't know, what if, uh, I'm not going to come up with a good what if, what if, what if Hemingway, you know, instead of writing these. Well, what I want to say is like, what if Steven Spielberg had done James Bond or. Right. What if, that's exactly You know, right. one of those, what if Stanley Kubrick had done. Thank uh, you. You found what I was looking for. It's like we have the perfect meeting of a master. It's a very reputable master working in a previously disreputable form yeah. and elevating it to his level yep. in a way that almost no one else could even conceive of doing. I mean, it is actually what Steven Spielberg did with Indiana Jones with the James Bond formula right. is you know what, let's, let's, let's actually leave James Bond in the dust. Like, yeah. Michelangelo meet the paintbrush, you know, mm. I, I, I don't know how to, what, what the non-cheesy <laughs> way of <laughs> saying it is, but so it's, I guess the only thing that's to think about is just what kind of reader are you? You know, you can think about it even with something like Jane Austen. Are you the kind of person that would be happy reading any story that about balls and yeah. And carriages and lovers and, uh, are you are you the kind of story? Absolutely not. Yeah. No way. Right. You have to be Jane Austen to make me enjoy that world. Yeah, actually, in that particular case, it's an active turnoff. I'd rather not read those kinds Same. of things. But Jane Austen completely transcends the genre, which I hate. Not I don't hate that she transcends it. I just I don't like that genre, actually. I don't like Downton Abbey. I don't like stories about the royalty. I don't like stories about British people being posh. I like everything about Jane Austen is actually designed it's why I always say to young men who are like, I, I, I don't want to read Jane Austen. It's like, I actually get it, like, but you should anyway. But yeah, you should just know that about yourself. Like, are you the kind of person that are, is going to love the story no matter what because it's got a couple of lovers that are kept apart and then get together at the end? Or are you the kind of person that wants something else? It's, it's just a handy way to be able to evaluate things. I mean, it's as much fun as we have with the fact that I try to make everybody feel like crap for liking Agatha Christie. The fact is, Agatha Christie is an absolute genius. She's a master of what she does. And it's helpful for me to simply know I don't happen to really like that kind of thing. Yeah. But she's awesome. Like it would be, and, and insofar, insofar as I have made people feel bad for liking Agatha Christie, I'll say it here once, folks, and I'll never say it again. <laughs> I shouldn't do that. She's great. She's awesome. She's perfect. She's one of the geniuses at what she does. And I won't even qualify it by saying one more time that I don't like it. <laughs> <clears throat> and if you do, you're stupid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess we should do our shout outs real quick. 
All right. All right. You want to shout them out? Why don't you say what genre you think this person oh my goodness. loves the most? You don't even have to shout them out. I'll shout them out. You say the genre. All right. Let's do it. All right. Robert and Rhonda the Lovebirds. Drama. The Artful Anthony Dodger. Fable. Little Anthony's Cigar Store. Fairy Tales. The Immortal Chelsea E. Fantasy. Jimmy Beam and Little Annie Oakley. Folklore. Lily of the Valley. Historical Fiction. Andrew Nestor the Lovebirds. Horror. Mm, yeah. The Keith Master. Uh, humor. David's Mighty Men Trucking. Legend. John and Jill and Little Baby Max. Mystery. Jay and Katie who are cold and love cheese and also C.S. Lewis, including Till We Have Faces. Mythology, obviously. The fairy Princess of Wonder and Happiness, Mother Beth. Poetry. Console Prime Adam. Sci- sci-fi. Jeremy, the Dark Hooded Lord of Death. Short stories. You know, it occurs to me that you can tell reading this list that Nathan likes the genre of fantasy and horror <laughs> and stuff like that <laughs> and westerns and things. Where are we? Nathan, not me. Tall tale. Maya. Maya. Biography. Ryan, the Red Avenger and Judith of the Ladies of Justice. Essays. Danny, the dude. Drama. DJ Sammy G. Fable. Benny and Dana Tiberius. Fairy tale. Eric and Catherine from Yon Window Breaks. Fantasy. Professor and Lady X. Folklore. Lavender's green, Dylan, Dylan, lavender's blue. Lavender's green, Dylan, Dylan, I love you too. Historical fiction. Noah Constrictor. Horror. Mara Cheap. Humor. The Fair and Fragrant Maiden Chloe. Legend. Six Pack Zach with a mean attack and Catherine with a knack for laying down the smack. Mystery. Anthony, who is cold and hates life, liberty, and the pursuit of cheese. Mythology. Jujitsu Jeffrey, the Texas Ranger. Poetry. Rachel. Rachel. Sci-fi. Leopard Hank Thomas. Short stories. Midnight Ninja Ellen. Tall Tales. Queen Congetta. Biography. Return of the Jedediah. Essay. Jay of Rack and Ruin. Drama. Timothy, the Rider at Dawn. Fable. Eric and Kate, the Eric and Kate, the Camp Champ Kings who are warm and love bees. Fairy tale. Maddie, 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 Matt Man. Fantasy. Sweet Jamie's Sunshine. Folklore. And we've got Tyler to welcome to the Patreon family, Jake. Folks, Jake just took a bite of like an energy bar or something. And so he's still chewing. I don't know that he has any liquid to help wash it down either. He's just going to be chewing for a while. So we'll just sit here and Tyler was expecting to have a cool new name. (laughs) You were like, hang on, I've got to figure out a name for Tyler. And I was like, okay, I'm going to eat this bar. (laughs) As you a bite. Well, Jake, I feel like Tyler's name day cannot be anything less than perfect. So I'm just going to leave him Tyler this week. Okay. But next week. And it's my fault? Yeah, and it's all your fault. <laughs> next week. And it may also be that I haven't come up with a name that I'm happy with for Tyler. Mm. But next week. I will vouch for the fact that you have tried. I have tried. And I don't think we're quite there yet. We want Tyler's name to be something that he is worthy of and that is worthy of him. So we're working on it, but I think we'll just call him Tyler this week. So hello, Tyler. Hello, Tyler this week. Tyler this week, welcome to the bookening. And fantasy is his genre. Fantasy is his genre. Yeah. I mean, he's going to have us reading Dune. Yeah. Are we going to are we going to tell people that? Might as well. Yeah. Tyler actually is going to have us read Dune. So maybe we should call him the Cuisinart Sazerac, because I think that's a thing from Dune. I wouldn't know. Remember the Cuisinart Sazerac? No. 
Uh, it sounds like a awesome drink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember the movie, the little girl says, And how can this be? For he is the Cuisinart Sazerac. And then Kyle McLaughlin stands on top of a giant worm while electric guitars play. <laughs> Dude's pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, he needs a sci. Tyler needs a cool sci-fi name. So we'll get there. Booking today was done by us. Go to patreon.com forward slash the booking. You can sign up for great things like behind the scenes videos, like getting to choose a book, like getting sent a book. For the $50 reward, you can have, get a book sent every month, a high-quality version of the book that we are reading in time to read along with us. And that's really all the news that's fit to print. You, you should check out our movie podcast, Sanity at the Movies. Me and Jake talk about movies. It's fun. Check out Sound of Sanity, our other podcast, where we talk about culture and pop culture and all kinds of stuff with yeah. Ben Solzer. That's a good podcast. And until next week, when we will definitely be back with... Brandon, folks, bye.